You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Well, today we are continuing our series called Prepare the Way, and we're talking about the life and the principles behind the life of John the Baptist. And today, specifically, we're going to talk about the word repentance, the word repentance. And now, you know, honestly, that was one of John the Baptist, his main principles, the main things that he spoke about as he was preparing the way for Jesus, the Messiah to come after him. One of his main messages was repentance. You need to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said that multiple times. That was his main theme that he brought to people. And I think if we're being honest, that word repentance, uh, it may feel like a bad word to you. If you've grown up in church, been around church, maybe you sat through some messages before from a preacher who uh, basically lets you know that, hey, you need to repent or you're going to hell if you don't repent, right? I think we've all probably heard a message like that from time or from one time or another. And the word repentance can feel like a bad word, feel like a negative thing, feel like a burden that we have to do. But today I want to show us how when we look at it in God's word, repentance is actually an amazing thing. It's an amazing opportunity for us. Um, and it will affect our lives in a really, really drastic way. But today we're going to look at repentance, that word, from a different angle than I've ever taught on it before. So I believe that's going to really open your eyes. So have your Bible ready, have your notebook ready. Let's dive into it. Point number one is this, repentance is changing your mind. Repentance is changing your mind. You know, in the past, I've taught that repentance means to turn from your sin and turn to God and go in a different direction. And that is true. Um, that turning away from your sin, that can be the fruit of, or that can be the result of um, repentance. But that's not exactly what the word means at its really at the root of it. And today that's what I want to do is I want to not just look at what does it mean to turn from our sin. I want to look at it from a different, a deeper angle. So what we need to do is this, to define a biblical word, a biblical word, you must go to the original language, right? So if it's the Old Testament, you're going to look at the Hebrew. If it's the New Testament, you're going to look at the Greek. What does the original Greek look like? And so repentance is actually two Greek words put together as one, which literally means change mind change mind. So repentance means to change your mind or to change the way that you think. That's really the the root definition of the word repentance. And so this is what John the Baptist came to preach, right? Let's look at an example. Matthew 3 verse 1, it says this, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What I love is that this is a great example of John preparing the way for Jesus because just a chapter later, Jesus echoes this exact same thing. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's saying the exact same thing that John is saying. What was John doing? He's preparing the way for the Messiah. But let's talk about it. If, if the word repentance means to change your mind or to change your thinking, here's what we see then. When we see John and Jesus making these statements, John and Jesus, they did not say repent for the kingdom of hell 
is at hand. Right? I think many times, maybe, <laughs> maybe in your past, and maybe even modern preachers, they might, they might sound like that's what they're saying, right? You better, pre- you better repent or you're going to hell, right? You're going to burn in hell forever if you don't repent. That's not what John and Jesus are saying. They're not saying that. Once we understand the definition of the word, we can put the definition into Scripture and we can go deeper into Scripture, deeper into God's will for you and for me. So here's what John and Jesus are are actually saying, if we look at the original definition, right? They're saying, change the way you're thinking about having a relationship with God. Change the way you're thinking about having a relationship with God. Because up until this point, they could have said to the people, John and Jesus could have said, you think that having a right relationship with God is based on what you do, if you check all of the right boxes, you can be close with God. And up until this point, that was basically true. But they are coming and they're saying, look, we're telling you that there is a new covenant that is coming and it's already being played out in front of you. There's a new covenant coming and it's not through works that you get close to our heavenly father to God, but it's through his grace that you receive by faith that you can have close, intimate relationship with your heavenly father, with the one true God. And so um, without understanding the biblical definition, we think that John and Jesus are showing up and they're saying, well, hey, you all better repent or you're going to hell, right? Like when we don't really understand the context or the real meaning behind the original word, we just think John and Jesus are saying, you guys better repent or you're going to hell. You dirty, no good sinners better get it figured out, right? You better change your living if you want to go to heaven. But looking at the original language, repentance doesn't just mean to change your, 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 uh, your living. What it really means is to change your mind. And so here's what happens. When we change our minds, God can change our hearts. And when our hearts are changed, soon after our actions will follow. Our lifestyle will be changed and adjusted as well. Let me say it again. When when we change our minds, God can change our hearts. And soon after, our actions will follow. There's a process to repentance and us seeing that turning away from our sin that is, that is the fruit of repentance. But where does it start? It starts with our thinking. You don't have the ability to change your heart. No matter what culture may tell us, uh, God's word in Jesus makes it very clear that our heart can be deceitful. Our heart can lead us astray. We don't have the ability to change our heart. God's word says that he does though. He says that he will take out an old heart, a sinful heart of stone and put in a new heart, which is his spirit, a new spirit in you, a fresh spirit in you, the Holy Spirit in you. Only God can change the human heart. But God gave you and me the ability to change our minds, to change our thinking. So to to put it in short, if you'll change your mind, change your thinking, God will change your heart. When you change your thinking, and what I mean by changing your thinking is when you change your thinking to align with God's thinking. When you align your thoughts with God's thoughts, then we open the door for God to go to work in our heart. And when God works in our heart, our actions, our lifestyle, we fall into agreement with God's word. What we're not talking about when we say repentance is changing your mind to whatever you think is best. 
That is not it. We change our mind to align with the Word of God. And whatever God's Word says, whatever the Holy Bible says, we submit to, we agree with, and we commit to seeing in our lives. If you'll change your mind, God will change your heart. So if this is true, then repentance isn't a once and done thing. Well, you know, you can't just say, well, I repented of my sin when I was six years old. That's when I got saved. I repented and I never have to do it again. Well, if repentance is changing our mind, it is then then a very similar thing to renewing our mind. We need to repent every day. Scripture says we need to continually be renewing our mind. We've got to change our thinking, change our minds every day. And by doing so, we invite God to work in our hearts, which affects the way that we live. So every morning when I get up, when I spend time with God, anytime that I'm worshiping Him, when I'm in His Word, it's why it's so important for us to acknowledge, Lord, Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your ways are higher and greater than my ways. Lord, I submit to You. Would You give me Your perspective? Would You help me have the mind of Christ today? Would You help me think Your thoughts? Would You help me focus on You and not this crazy world? around me, not the things that are the pressures, the problems that I'm facing. Would you help me focus on you today, Jesus? And in doing so, when we align our thoughts, change our thoughts to align with him, we open the door for God to work in our hearts, which affects the way that we live. I then have a soft heart, the heart of Jesus towards people, towards my family, towards my spouse, towards, towards my coworkers that maybe uh, I used to not really stand. I couldn't, I couldn't stand. I didn't like to be around. I didn't like to work with. But now I have a soft heart towards people that I would normally stay away from, that I would normally be maybe disgusted by because of their sin. I have a soft heart for them so that I can minister to them, so that I can actually see through their sin and I can love them right where they are at. When you've heard of the the word repentance, you you often realize that correction and repentance are often, they often go hand in hand, right? Most of the times that we have to repent from something that we've done, it's because we've been corrected or we have, we're receiving correction and we have to say, yeah, you know what? I was wrong. I need to change. I can be better, right? Usually repentance and correction go hand in hand. And the Holy Spirit will show us areas that we need to change our minds about on a daily basis. And it's Him coming in with conviction to correct certain things. You may have thoughts that come in and you have a choice to make. Will I receive that thought or will I reject it? And the Holy Spirit wants to come in and say, stop dwelling on those fearful thoughts. Stop dwelling on those lustful thoughts. You need to get rid of those. And those little correcting nudges that happen in our life, that happen in our hearts, where we feel like the Holy Spirit's prompting us saying, hey, you don't need to be doing that. Hey, you know that is wrong. Hey, you shouldn't have this attitude. Hey, you shouldn't let that come out of your mouth. Hey, you don't need to be partaking in this activity, whatever it might be. Those little corrections from the Holy Spirit are not a bad thing. Correction isn't a bad thing. In fact, Proverbs makes this super clear. Proverbs 12 verse 1 says this, he who hates correction is stupid. (laughs) He who hates correction is stupid. Well, God's word makes it pretty black and white, right? Whoever hates correction is a fool. Why? Because when God brings correction into our life, it's not because he's a prude who's trying to keep us from having fun or enjoying life. God makes it clear when he brings correction, it's because he's trying to help us live the best life possible, which is an agreement to his word and to his will here on this earth. And so I put it to you like this. Aren't you glad that whenever you are on a road trip, 
and you're on a road trip and you don't know where you're going, so you're relying on your phone and your GPS and as you're going, maybe you take a wrong turn or you got stuck in traffic, you couldn't make your exit, maybe you just weren't paying attention and you're, you were in a daze and you miss your exit, you miss your turn. Aren't you glad that whenever your GPS recalculates and says, hey, you missed the turn, let's go ahead and turn up here and let's get back on track. Let me show you how to get back on track so you can get to your destination. Aren't you thankful for that? I know I am, that's happened to me several times. It would be foolish for you to be upset that the GPS was rerouting you to get you back on track, right? Well, who's that GPS to tell me that I'm going the wrong way? I feel like this highway is the way to take. When the GPS says, no, this is the only way to get to that destination. Oftentimes, that's what exactly what happens in the spiritual realm. Our flesh, our cultural around us, the world around us will say, just follow your feelings, go this way. But how many of you know, if you are directionally challenged, <laughs> sometimes your feelings will say, go left, when, when really you're supposed to go right to get to a destination in the natural. It's the same way in the spiritual realm. Sometimes our flesh will say, man, I feel like I'm supposed to do this. But the Holy Spirit will come in and say, ah, don't do that. If you do, I can still reroute you back on track, but I'm showing you this is the path, the direction that God has for your life. And so when it comes to repentance, what happens is oftentimes the Holy Spirit wants to, uh, wants to come in and He wants to help you change your thinking on a regular basis. He wants to help you live a continual life of repentance, constantly saying, you know what? I don't know what's best but I know that God does. I'm going to repent. I'm going to renew my mind, change my thinking to align with his word. So repentance is changing your mind and the Holy Spirit wants to help you do that. Today, I want to give you two quick, easy things that you, we all need to change our mind about. Okay. So point number two is this. The first thing that we really need to change our mind about is we need to change my mind about myself. I've got to change my mind about myself. And this is a big one because there's two ditches that we can fall into. There's actually several more things that we could talk about, but there's two specific things I want to talk about today. Um, let me give you this verse before we dive into it. Acts 3 verse 19 says this, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So here is exactly what I was just talking about. Repent, change your thinking, Align your thoughts with God's thoughts. Repent of your wrong thinking. Number two, be converted. What's that? I change my thoughts. God converts. He begins to change my heart, right? And then number three is times of refreshing will come. What? My lifestyle, my actions, the fruit of that process shows up. I, I repent. I change my thoughts. God begins to convert and change my heart so that I can experience what he has for me, which is times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. If I want a closer relationship with my Lord, it starts with guarding my thoughts, living a continual life of repentance, constantly changing my mind to align with God's mind and his thoughts. Times of refreshing come only after we repent through changing our minds. There's a couple things that we need to change our minds specifically about when it comes to ourselves. Number one is we've got to change our minds about the fact that we're always right. We've got to eliminate pride in our lives. In fact, I would say this, when I learned, I was blessed to learn and to get perspective on this early on, when I learned to repent quickly, 
my life became so much better. When I learned to repent quickly, my life became so much better. And let me show you what I mean. When I learned to change my mind about me being right all the time, my life got so much better. I realized early on, you know what? Correction is a part of life. And I'm going to lean into correction, not run from it. And so when I was early on, even when I was early on, some of my first jobs, I worked as a landscaper. And early on, if I did something wrong, if I uh, messed something up, if I was, maybe I had a bad attitude about something and my boss or a coworker even came and addressed it with me. I learned early on, rather than putting up the dukes and trying to fight about it, I learned early on to stop for a second and acknowledge the fact that maybe I don't know everything. (laughs) Maybe I don't have their perspective. Maybe they see something in my life. Maybe they see something in my attitude. Maybe they see something in the trajectory of my life that that maybe uh, they're trying to get my attention about that I need to listen to. So what did I do? I changed my mind about myself. You know what? I don't know it all. You have a different perspective than I do. Let me, before I go to fight and put up the dukes and go fight about it, let me hear your perspective. And then I'll listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit on how do I receive it? Where do I go from here? But I changed my mind about me being right all the time. This is one of the biggest things that people need to do in their marriages. We need to learn to repent in our marriages, change our mind about ourselves in our marriages. Husband, wife, spouse, you, you, look, you don't know it all, okay? <laughs> you don't have every answer to everything, no matter how much you want to think that you do. Your spouse has a different perspective, and God brought them into your life for a reason for you to hear their perspective. And more specifically, if they're walking as a believer, walking with Christ, that's especially when God has brought them into your life to give you good perspective on certain things. There's been times where I've shown up and I've uh, just kind of bulldozed my way to make a decision. And I told Leslie, Hey, this is what we're going to do. This is how it's going to work. And I didn't even ask for her opinion. And sometimes it didn't always turn out very good. And I had to come back and I had to repent to Leslie. And I had to say, look, I'm sorry. I didn't ask for your thoughts. I didn't ask for your opinion. And I really wished I would have because I know that you have a different opinion than me, that you have a different perspective than me. And I want your thoughts on this. Will you forgive me for just assuming that I am right? I got to change my thinking about myself. I don't know it all. You don't know it all. And we have to make sure we keep our pride in check that we are, um, if we think that we know it all, we think that we can never be corrected or admit that we're wrong. We really put ourselves on a pedestal. And by doing so, we put ourselves on a pedestal that's outside of God's will, where even the Holy Spirit can't come in and correct you because we'll try to justify and immediately fight to defend ourselves rather than acknowledging, you know what? Other people that God's put in my life, the Holy Spirit who God put inside of me, they know better sometimes about my life, especially the Holy Spirit. He does know better about my life. He has a different perspective. Let me submit to him, change my thought, change my mind about myself that I don't know everything. But there's also another ditch, another area where we need to change our minds about ourselves, And it's simply this, that there are some people who are walking around, even though they're walking with Jesus, they've given their life to Christ, they've asked for forgiveness. You are walking around with guilt and you're walking around with condemnation from things that you've done in your past. And though you've asked for forgiveness, you can't shake it. You, you still constantly feel your mind drifting back to those feelings, those thoughts of the lifestyle that you used to live. 
You still find yourself dealing and battling in your mind with thoughts that you thought you were free from, or you're remembering things that you did wrong, how you let people down, how you hurt a relationship, how you let God down. And you're carrying this guilt around, even though you've asked for forgiveness from God and from other people. God doesn't want you to live a life full of condemnation. He doesn't want you to feel, live a life full of guilt. That's why he sent Jesus. And so I want, there's a, the other thing that we need to change our mind about is that right there, is that you can be free from those things. Um, just because you have to fight off sinful, wrong thinking on a daily basis sometimes, it does not mean that you're a bad Christian. Let me say it again. Just because you have to fight off sinful, wrong thinking on a daily basis, it doesn't mean that you are a bad Christian. It simply means that you're human and that we are still in a fallen world with a flesh and with a mind, a soul that needs to be renewed on a daily basis. Our spirit and our our flesh go to war against one another. It's important that we feed our spirit to win that battle every single day. But repenting and renewing our mind in God's word is a daily thing that must be done. It's a daily thing. Don't feel like you were the only one that still battles those things. But I want you to change your thinking, change your mind about yourself, that you're not a bad Christian, that you're not letting God down, that he's not mad at you. In fact, let me give you three statements to help you change your mind about yourself, to help you change, uh, to help you repent. Let me say it that way. Three statements to help you change your mind about yourself and help you repent. Number one is this, God is not mad at you. God is not disappointed in you. That's number two. Number three, God is not surprised by you or your sin. Let me say those again. God is not mad at you. God is not disappointed in you. And God is not surprised by you. And you may say, I, 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 don't, I don't know how that can be true. And maybe you're, you're even right now, you're, you're battling feeling those or believing those statements can be true, that God's not mad at you. He's not disappointed in you. He's not surprised by you or your sin. And maybe that's tough for you to believe right now. And if it is, I would say not only do you need to change your mind about you and where you stand with God, but you also need to change your mind about Jesus and who Jesus is in your life personally. And that's point number three, change. I need to change my mind about Jesus. Number one, I got to change my mind about myself. Am I seeing myself in alignment with God's word? Number two, change your mind about Jesus. Look at a few things here, uh, a few verses that talk about who Jesus was to people who were imperfect, right? Which is all of us. Luke 15, starting in verse one, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to Jesus to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes, they complained saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Why is Jesus doing this? Have you ever thought about that? Why, why did sinners like to hang out with Jesus? I think it's interesting that Jesus wasn't always looking to find, uh, to put himself in a compromising position. What's interesting is that Jesus lived so pure and in so much grace and truth that sinners wanted to follow him. They came to him. And I think oftentimes, sometimes maybe as a, as a young believer or maybe as a, a teenager, you go to college and sometimes you, you want to, um, you take this to heart. Well, man, Jesus ate with sinners. And so sometimes when we don't have enough maturity in our faith, we, out of a good heart, we put ourselves in compromising positions. Well, hey, I'm going to go to the bar and I'm going to have a few drinks with these guys because I want to, I want to, you know, be with them and, and, and minister to them. But maybe you're not strong enough to, to put yourself in a position where you're not going to fall and to stumble into sin. Listen, 
when you live your life full of grace and truth, as Jesus did, and you continue to spend time with Jesus every day and you reflect him well to people around you, sinners and lost people will want to be close to you. You don't have to look for ways to put yourself in a compromising position that could ruin your career, ruin your family, or bring hardship onto you, your life or your career or your family. You don't have to look for those ways. When you live your life above reproach, full of grace and truth, God will open doors for sinners to come to you and to find Jesus through you. This happened so many times in my life when I had secular jobs where I worked and I was surrounded by people who were far from God, who were constantly cussing, telling dirty jokes, making inappropriate comments about other people. They were constantly fighting. They had always had a bad attitude. Like they were uh, going out getting drunk almost every night. Like they were living these lives so far from God. And I didn't have to beat them over the head with my Bible every single day. I didn't have to do that. I simply had to show up every day and be consistent in walking in grace and truth. Man, hey, I love you, but I'm not going to go to the bar with you uh, and, ha- and have a few beers. I love you, but I'm not going to do that. Hey, um, hey, uh, we can go play golf. And if you want to have a few beers, that's fine, but I'm not going to. Uh, but man, let's go play golf together. I would be fine walking in grace and truth, but I didn't have to compromise my testimony to reach other people. And this is what Jesus has done. That was not in my notes, that little section right there, but I feel like somebody needed to hear that today. You don't have to put yourself in a compromising position to reach people far from God. When you live above reproach, God will open the door for lost people to find Jesus through you. That's what we see in the life of Jesus. Let's read another example. Let me show you. In Mark chapter 2, verse 15, Now it happened, as Jesus was dining in Levi's house, that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many... And they followed him. Again, was Jesus chasing sinners? Uh, Not necessarily. He lived his life in such a way where they wanted to be around him, which is amazing in the fact that he always called out their sin in grace, but he had truth as well. He said, I I know your sin, but I'm going to show you how to live free from your sin. Let's continue here. Um, And they followed him. Verse 16. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that Jesus eats and he drinks with tax collectors and sinners? They just couldn't wrap their mind around it. This is nearly blasphemous that he's doing this. Verse 17, when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus came not for the righteous, but to bring people that are far from God, that are imperfect, the sinner to repentance. Remember what that word repentance means. It's not, Jesus didn't show up, he didn't say, Jesus didn't call sinners to change the way they were living or else they're going to go to hell. Yes, that will be a fruit. Yes, you do need to change your, your way of living. When you repent, you change your mind, God changes your heart, it should change your, it should show up in fruit in your life, change your actions. You don't need to continually, knowingly, willingly live in sin after you've repented. That's not how this works. But Jesus didn't start with that. He started with repentance. The actual definition, remember, Jesus called then the sinners to change their minds about what they thought about God. Change their minds about God. They saw God as this distant figure who if they didn't do everything perfect, if they didn't live perfect, they couldn't even be close to him. They would have zero relationship with him and they were damned to hell. And Jesus shows up and he says, I want you to change your mind 
about your loving heavenly father. And in doing so, it would inevitably change their hearts and their actions and their lifestyle. But where does it start? Repentance means change mind, change your thinking. And when we live a life of repentance, it helps us open the door for God to work in our hearts and which will show up in fruit in our lives. Jesus ate with sinners to show them how much the Heavenly Father loved them, even though they were imperfect. And for you today, I want to remind you, you're not alone. Everyone has fallen short from the glory of God. From time to time, we're going to stumble, we're going to fall, we're going to get tripped up into sin. But guess what? What's most important is that you get back up and you run to Jesus. You run to your heavenly father. You don't run from him. You run to him and you say, I'm sorry, Lord, help me repent. I need to repent. I need to change my thinking. Give me the mind of Christ. I'm sorry. And I want to remind you, you're not alone. Remind you of those statements. God's not mad at you. God's not disappointed in you. And God is not surprised by you or your sin. You may say, Pastor Dan, how can that be? You don't know what I've done. You don't know the extreme things that I've done, what I've struggled with, who I've been with. You don't know. And you're right. I don't know. I don't know every detail of your life, but here's what I do know. You have a heavenly father in heaven who loves you, who he is all knowing. He knows everything you've done in your past before you met him. He knows everything that you've sinfully done since you've known him. And guess what? He knows everything that you haven't done yet and all the times that you will probably fall short in the future. And guess what? He still sent Jesus because he loves you that much. He loves you. He's not mad at you. He's not disappointed in you. He's not surprised by your sin. There's no exclusion to his love for you. Well, he loves you, but except for that one time or for those couple years where you were really bad. No, Jesus wants to dine with sinners. Why? Because he wants you and me and everyone that's far from God, everyone else that, that might be far from God today. He wants you to change your mind about your heavenly father, change your mind about Jesus. Repentance means to change our mind. And when we repent, we change our mind to align with God's word. And God goes to work then in our hearts and our actions and our lifestyle will soon follow. Our actions and our lifestyle is a fruit of what's going on in our heart. But remember, the first step is what? We can't change our heart, but we can change our mind. And when we change our mind, God can go to work in our hearts. So first, let's change our mind about you. Change your mind about yourself. Remember, you don't know it all. So repent quickly. Admit that you don't know it all and life will go better for you. If you are struggling with condemnation or with guilt, <clears throat> remember, Jesus loves you. He died for you. He died so that you could be free from those things. You are forgiven when you ask for forgiveness and genuinely repent. He wants to answer that prayer, help you change your thinking so he can change your heart and you can live free from those things. Now, whenever those thoughts come back into your life, remember God's word says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. When thoughts try to come in, it doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. It just means it's time to begin to renew our mind in God's word once again. And then lastly, change your mind about Jesus, no matter what. No matter how much you've messed up, no matter what crazy things you might have done in your past, no matter how you might have messed up this morning or this past week, there's a God who loves you, who sees you. He's not mad at you, but he's looking at you and he's saying, hey, will you trust me with your life? 
And when you trust him with your life, he's going to help you repent by changing your mind. He's going to go to work in your heart and your lifestyle will change so that it aligns with God's word. And it's not what, what do you want best for your life? It's even better than that. It's what does God want best for your life? Because his plan, his desire for your life is so much better. And it's so much more refreshing as the book of Acts chapter three says, times of refreshing come after we repent and after we are converted, then we can have times of refreshing in the presence of our Lord. Let me pray for you today. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we wrap up today, I just pray that through all of this, Lord, I pray that you would uh, just minister to our hearts. Lord, I pray that as we talked about what repentance means in your word, Lord, I pray that you would truly go to work in our hearts. As we commit to repenting every day and changing our minds every single day, Lord, would you go to work in our heart? Would you convert our heart to align with your word, to be soft to your voice so we can hear? And Lord, I pray that our lifestyle, our lives, our actions, our attitudes, our words, let it be a great reflection of you to the world around us, to our spouses, to our, to our families, to our coworkers, to people that don't know you. Lord, let our actions be the greatest testimony. And when people ask us, hey, what's different? We'll say, we, we learn to change our mind. We learn to repent quickly and repent often to change our minds so that you could change our hearts. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.